Welcome, one and all, to the Games and That Podcast, the show where we share our opinions on all things gaming related with you, our wonderful audience, in hopes to create a positive community where gamers, both casual and hardcore alike, can share their own thoughts, opinions, and experiences. I'm Andrew Fiak. And I'm Brandon Carnahan. And what's up, y'all? How you doing, Brando? I'm doing all right. How about you? You know, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Not too, too much going on this week. I feel you. Although we did have a, a pretty busy one. Uh, we actually got to do a little bit of collab with our buddies at Reggie's House Podcast, uh, specifically the Greedo Shot First Podcast. Yeah, great time, great time. Yeah, we got to talk a little bit about the new uh, Jedi Fallen Order game that got announced uh, over the... Do they still call it D23? No, or is it called uh, Star Wars now? Celebration. Star Wars Celebration. So it's specifically Star Wars related news. It's not like all Disney all the time. Yeah, I think D23 is actually a completely separate thing. Oh, I thought they were doing Marvel stuff too alongside all this. Maybe it's just because Endgame's coming up and there's just a bunch of stuff dropping these days. Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Hot off the presses. Hot we got some off the presses. So hot off the presses. Um, like before we even fired up the show... Uh, we were talking about this because it's so fresh. Uh, we got some Sony PlayStation 5 news exclusively from Wired.com that came in earlier today. Yeah. And I thought it'd be worth chatting about here at the top of the show. Um, so, Brandon, did you have a chance to read this article? I sure did. I sure did. There's a lot of really interesting nuggets of information in that article. Yeah, it's not it's not a super long article, and it's also not an article that's like, here's what's confirmed, here's what you can expect, here's when it's coming out, here's a price and stuff. It's pretty much a, a chat with the Sony exec that was behind closed doors where they were showing off a, a assumably, assuming what is a dev kit of what will be eventually the, quote, we're calling it the quote-unquote PlayStation 5. It is yeah. not aptly not, referred to as such Not right official now. name, but I mean... Going off of, of past naming schemes, they're probably just going to call it PS4 or PS5. Right. Um, but I did my best to pull out what I thought was important. And what I want to do with you right now, Brandon, is I'm going to read some of these tidbits to you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I want you to just give me your total off the cuff, uh, on the record, though, opinions of okay. said information. Sure. Okay. Hit me. First foremost, PlayStation 5, exclusive news from Wired.com. So the console, mm -hmm. as they're calling it, is, mm -hmm. quote, no mere upgrade. It has been in the works for the last four years. Hmm. And they are currently in the midst of pushing out even more dev kits than were already out there with some of the bigger players. So that people can have a lot more time to get their hands on them and figure out how to, uh, quote unquote, push the hardware and, quote unquote, figure out its capabilities. What do you like, think about I that? I like that. I like that they've had it out there for a while. Uh, because <laughs> to me, that means we're going to hopefully hit that peak of uh, what it's capable of a little bit sooner. I feel like we hit it a lot sooner than normal this past generation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like the fact that it's been out there for so long because hopefully that translates into more launch titles or more titles that are at least closer to launch if they're not out at you know day and date with the console itself. Yes, I totally agree with you there. Uh, some tech specs that we were able to pull out from the article. Uh, I'll just run through all of these one by one. So the CPU is going to be an AMD Ryzen-based CPU. Mm-hmm. It's going to have eight cores. The GPU, the graphics card that they're going to use, uh, is a custom Radeon AMD graphics card, uh, and it's going to support ray tracing. That's a big technology that they were pimping yeah, in this article. That's huge. That's pretty big because ray tracing just started hitting the the PC uh, um the PC building community with the 20 series of cards yeah, that recently really came out like the last maybe six months, maybe even that. And they just, um, they actually just figured out um, software ray tracing in an upcoming update for, uh, I think everything from like nine sixties, I want to say up to the 1080 TI. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know what ray tracing is, it's basically a new way for graphics cards to, emulate real world 3d light on the objects in a 3d environment Mm -hmm. so the way that a lamp in the corner of a room would only illuminate the corner of that room and not be its own object but be or actually be its own object not just be like a standard static thing that's in a room it's actually working so as you flick on and flick off the light certain objects posters that are near the area curtains that are near there the window reflection of the light all those things are going to be happening and processing in real time hence ray tracing it's going to be tracing those rays of light and where they bounce off the surfaces right and the other thing that i saw in that article that i had like really had not heard at all before in any of the stuff about ray tracing that i had read from like nvidia is that you can apparently use the concept of of ray tracing for more than just lighting they were saying um like sound and how like uh, like enemies, like cones of vision, how that travels and how that translates mm-hmm. can also be used with that same technology, which yeah. I think th- that stuff is more impactful than the lighting. The lighting is obviously, you know, it, it, it makes a big visual difference, but I don't think it necessarily enhances mechanics. But if you can take that same idea and apply it to things like, you know, the how right. AI sees and, you know, um, sound and things like that. I think that that's where it becomes a lot more interesting in what they're able to do that's new to differentiate this generation of consoles from the previous generation. Yeah. And I, th- yeah, and I, that was going to be my next point is that they are really pimping the 3d audio from the chipset that they're putting in this. Yeah, they're saying that it's going to be revolutionary and that the gold standard for your audio experience is going to be with, you know, over ear headphones. Yeah. But, they're saying like you were saying like building off the ray tracing the whole foundation of everything that you're building on think of it in terms of like a stealth game if you're playing a, a splinter cell or like a or like a middle gear solid type game you know it's not just where you are in the light is where you're seen and where you are in the shadows is where you're hidden because mm-hmm. that's been built into games before but with it being built into the foundation there's so much more that you can do especially in terms of the sound of hearing the enemies in the distance hearing patrols off in the distance and also the sound that you emulate and the sound or the sound that you emanate whenever Mm -hmm. you're moving around the environment and what people can hear from you being able to have that be real time. So if you're in 
a, a room in a building and there's people in, in, in like, you know, four doors down in the same building, they might not be able to hear you. But if you're one door down from them, it might be very faint depending right. on the acoustics of the room that you're in. Yeah, for sure. Um, as far as the, th- the 3D audio stuff goes, um, the 3D audio on PSVR, which was wasn't it was not wasn't hard baked into the uh, the console itself. It was, you know, just basically like an add on type of deal with the headset. The 3D audio on that headset is really, really good. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, it, it, very immersive. So I can only imagine what this uh, what it sounds to be like a more expansive, more like true to the idea of that 3D audio, what that's going to actually look like or will sound like um, as the, the, the default audio mix. I do hope that uh, I know that in, like whenever PS4 first came out, that a lot of the uh, the better PS3 headsets were supported at launch, and I'm hoping that carries over as well because I would love to use my uh, platinum headset on a PS5 because that has uh, it supports the uh, 7.1 mm-hmm. virtual surround, so I feel like those yep. two would go hand in hand pretty well because I know that sounded awesome with uh, mm-hmm. with my PSVR, so. Hopefully that's also backwards compatible, which they've you know they've done it in the past. So I'd be really surprised if they didn't. I mean, it's it's so plug and play with you know a PC that right. It would be it would be more surprising if it didn't than if it did. Well, it sounds like they're learning lessons because the article already confirms that it's going to the new PlayStation console uh, is going to already support PSVR. It's going to be backwards compatible Mm -hmm. though. They're not commenting on the future of VR for PlayStation and what it's going to hold right now. They are confirming that the original PSVR headset will work and it will be a enhanced experience quote unquote, uh, with the new PlayStation console. So whether that means smoother frame rates, less, you know, less frame dips when you're playing, um, it won't, there won't be increased resolution because you only already are already getting a 1080p screen in that right. PSVR. Um, so it's not like they can just make it, you know, 1440 or 4k. Um, but the least they can do is smooth it out and give you the best experience you can have. Yeah. Um, I, I can live with having the, like the current gen headset, as long as they give us some freaking controllers with thumbsticks. Oh, they need to get rid of those move controllers, dude. Yes, that is the weakest part of the whole system. And I think the fact that so many games um, do so much better once they come out with the uh, aim support, like the shooter games, um, mm-hmm. I mean, that should just tell them everything they need to know. Like, you need controllers that are going to be on par with your competition in both the rift and the vive and i would assume that this new headset that uh they've been talking about coming from valve they all have you know controllers that have buttons and thumbsticks and you know they also have finger tracking all this stuff yep so i'll be happy with thumbsticks um i've seen a lot of things that people have dug up from patent applications as far as that type of stuff and it seems like they at least from the patents they know what they need to be doing it's just a matter of them actually doing it but yeah if they if they come out with um, new controllers, I will buy that day one. Like the second it becomes available for pre order, I'll pre order that without hesitation. We we just we really somehow need to get away from the light tracing being the way that the PlayStation VR is tracked. 
because yeah. having to turn my living room into a nightclub every time I want to play VR and mm-hmm. dim all the lights and make sure that only my motion controllers or my move controllers or my aim controller plus headset, they're in range. I'm in within like the same parameters, like yeah. my camera's at the right height, like that stuff. It's it makes it a, a less viable experience for somebody who just wants to hop in and hop out. Right. The inside out stuff is where it's at for sure. Yeah, for um, sure. That'll be interesting because I mean I don't know how they're really going to retrofit that headset to have that. You know what I mean? Because I kinda, don't know. It yeah. sounds it sounds like they are they're trying not to alienate the people that have bought it so recently just because it's you know I mean it came out pretty late in the PS4's life cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll be curious to see if it's like an incremental thing where they're like okay, you know, first year or you know, six months in whatever the case may be. Here are these yep. new controllers. And then, you know, six months, a year after that, then then what's the next thing? Like, what? how are they changing that paradigm of what's already out yeah. there? Are they, is it a full new headset? Is it some kind of a different tracking system that just jives better with the, the new console's hardware? Or, you know, what mm-hmm. is that? Because the headset itself does have um, just, like, basic, like, gyroscope. You know, if, yes. you, if you, put it, you, you put that thing into, um, like, you have you can get like third party software and hook it up to a PC and you'll get, you know, your rudimentary left, right up down, but it's not, it's not as one-to-one as the, the, you know, camera and the light bars are. Um, but it still has a little bit of that built into it. So it's not like they could just say, okay, here's these controllers that have inside out tracking, but now your headset has still requires the lights. Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, it might, the combination of the two might, it might be a uh, you know an improvement while it's still not the best, but I don't know. It's it's interesting that they're still supporting. It. I'm glad that they're still supporting it. I think that's a, a smart move on their part to keep it backwards compatible because that thing is like the price of a console in itself now. Well, that seems to be a big lesson that they learned because if you recall when we jumped from PS3 to PS4 backwards compatibility was not a thing. Yeah, and it was something that Microsoft jumped on pretty hard mm-hmm. when they were like hey here's mm-hmm. how you trade games with your friends and remember they had that video where they just handed a disc yeah. from one exec yeah. to the other and yeah. then everybody went bonkers in the audience yeah um i think they've learned their lesson because they do mention in the article that all ps previous ps4 titles will be backwards compatible with this because yes. it runs off the same disc drive not to mention it will have a disc drive it's going to still rely on physical media and it's not going to be a download only console they're not commenting yet on anything streaming related though they did call themselves quote the pioneers of streaming services well, and they, they did have the PlayStation PS- now I mean it's yeah. uh, it's not the best but I mean they they did make a, a fairly playable version of it and it's yeah. I mean that you can play right now so I, I'd be interested. I mean, that's been out for a, a long time now, dude. And you know what? Gahone's on Sony. First, I almost said Sony. Gahone is on Sony. Sony. <laughs> uh, on them to stay quiet this whole time while Google Stadia, Xbox Games Pass is coming out. All this stuff is coming out about streaming services, and they have been tight lipped. It, it seems like you know they're sitting on something when they come out with it they're going to come out guns blazing for sure it's going to be it a like 2.0 their sleep mm-hmm. for sure um, they're really good about sitting on that stuff and then once everybody is out there and you have an expectation of what the norm is they love to flip that on its head yeah 
Um, as far as like the disk drive stuff goes, um, I think just from their like just basically what has propelled them to the position that they are in now is that they have been very much upfront in saying like we're about the games. This isn't supposed to be the box on your TV that does every single thing. Like it's a game system first, everything else second. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that makes with, with that line of thinking, it makes sense. They still have the disc drive. Yep. But um, I mean, it seems like they're looking ahead and kind of trying to stay ahead of the curve and keep the momentum that they have. Um, I, I think the the only thing, like just as a company, that they really have going against them is there's like a lot of ill will towards them with uh, regard to like cross play, cross save, like all that kind of stuff. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the next generation plays out especially if microsoft is just like yeah player games on whatever hardware you want play it on your phone play it on your switch play it on your computer you know however you want to do it do it like as long as you're playing games so right it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be you know a different uh different spin on the normal kind of console word deal yeah i mean theoretically playstation does have a browser built into their system it does you could theoretically stream from there yeah who knows who knows um hot take hot take um take it out a couple hot takes just prediction that came into my mind if and when they do announce their streaming service i bet it's built into the playstation plus subscription and you don't actually pay that a monthly or yearly fee huge that would be huge well, you're already paying what 50 60 bucks a year mm-hmm, mm-hmm. retail to do this i mean that pretty much equates to nine ten bucks a month well they raised the price of that not too like i wouldn't say not too long ago but it, i mean it's been raised up to 60 from like i want to say like 40 or 50 for probably close to two years now mm-hmm. and in my opinion, there wasn't any like noticeable changes that went along with that. So maybe that hike in the price is to accommodate, you know, what they're whatever they're putting together with their streaming, just to get us yeah. used to it, so that they can be like, yeah, remember that price hike? Well, here's that added value that everyone was clamoring for at the time. So yeah, that's yeah, hot take. I like it. I like that's it a, a real hot take. Spicy. Um, Another hot take? Oh, the next no. iteration. Yeah, you're getting two. You're getting a two for today. The new, the next iteration of PlayStation VR is a single cord mm. that goes right into the PS5, we'll call it. Does not have an external box that needs processing. Doesn't need the camera. Has knuckle-like controllers with analog sticks. But the old PlayStation VR with plugging in the camera, plugging in the external box and the lights and the motion controls, those will also be compatible. But the next PSVR is going to be totally autonomous with the console itself. I think all that stuff's going to be built into the console from Jump Street. Interesting. So, okay, here's now jumping off of that. So I know with the Oculus Quest is out now or out soon. The wireless one? Yeah. Mm -hmm. They, from what I've read and what from what i understand when it comes to design the uh i guess like the the benchmark or the baseline experience that they give to all their devs now is design it for the quest which is underpowered compared to the other models but have responsive design so that if they're playing it on you know the whatever the 
creme de la creme of the uh, of the Oculus hardware is, they can still jack up their settings. Mm. Maybe that's what they do to support the legacy PSVR headsets as well as the new Shiny. Right. Wow. But both headsets are compatible with the new controllers because so they've they, that you have to have the controllers. That's so question for you. Own question for you one of the other things in here along that same line uh one of the other things in here that they mentioned in the article is that the playstation the next playstation console is going to support not output but support up to 8k displays do you think that we're finally getting to a point where your home console is going to have graphical options other than hdr 4k resolutions etc etc do you think it's going to have more of a i'd rather have the faster smooth gameplay versus the high-end graphical slower gameplay i mean we're already seeing that in games like the show that are exclusive to sony yeah and then there are some others that like uncharted that have like the hdr settings and you know spider-man and god of war etc do you think we're going to see more of that I, i would not be surprised if we do um i mean you're already starting to see options that are typically found only in like pc ports or pc exclusive Mm -hmm. games like depth of field options uh field of view that type of stuff is making its way over um so i wouldn't be surprised if we have you know not not as in great detail as you would have in a pc's graphic options but i wouldn't be surprised if we had something that's more stripped down where it's you know just you know as simple as turn these couple things off so that you know you get a like a, a lower visual fidelity but a better frame rate or turn it all on all the bells and whistles and you know it's clocked at like a you know at least 30 or, or more right do you think the new standard with these new this next generation of consoles incoming and streaming services too do you think that the new standard is going to go away from the 1080p 30 fps to more of a 1080 1440 60 fps I think at this point they have to because of how much of a fuss was made about it. Just if if you couldn't do 1080p at 60, people were freaking out. If you're doing mm-hmm. 4K and you're doing the same thing where you're locking your frame rate, I feel like people are also gonna, you know, raise hell about that as well. But I don't know. All right. Well, a couple other things they mentioned. Um, don't expect this to be released or even further discussed in 2019 you probably won't start hearing more about because they're not going to be at e3 this year but mm-hmm. they might have another you know what do they call it, the state of plays yeah <clears throat> they might throw another one of those in there for some of the games that are coming in but i wouldn't expect any more hardware stuff you might get some more details before the end of the year i find yeah. that hard to believe but i think it'll trickle probably out slowly. i don't think we're gonna have yeah. any huge major you know expo type announcements or anything like that no, I think we'll start seeing more of it in 2020 and yeah. then yeah. it'll be released early 2021. Early 2021 or what, what about holiday 2020? Mm, I don't know. Maybe. Do we think it might be dependent on the release of whatever the next iteration of Xbox is? Hmm. Maybe that. But or at least the very last thing contingent on it, but it may be influenced on it some way. True. Well, yeah, they always kind of play off each other. Yeah. Um, but I think I find this interesting and I think maybe this will help answer that question. One of the games they specifically, Oh, Brandon, 
We didn't even mention the game changer. We got way ahead of ourselves. What they are calling the true game changer, and that is a direct quote from the, from the executive that they were dealing with, um, is the fact that they are implementing a custom solid-state drive into oh, all yeah. future How consoles. do we forget that? <laughs> yeah, that is huge. Yeah, the fact that Absolutely. it's not just like an off-the-shelf solid-state, like it's specifically built for the console is nuts. Yep. It's nice. it's kind of it's it's uh, from what they the way they described it it's kind of like a laptop SSD where it's a little bit of a smaller unit, um, but it's built specifically with the chipset and the GPU in mind and how mm-hmm. they're all going to work hand in hand together. And the way that they express this isn't just in terms of you know faster storage, faster downloads, grabbing that stuff quicker from the hard drive. They used an actual real-world example. So they actually fired up the dev kit and an actual PS4 Pro next to each other, and they used Spider-Man, Spider-Man. as an example. And they said, when you fast travel in Spider-Man on a PlayStation 4 Pro, if you go from the very tippy top of Manhattan to the very low bottom of Manhattan and you fast travel, it takes 15 seconds to just load up that screen and get you in there. Yeah. On the PS5 dev kit it took 0.8 seconds which is insane instantaneous insane. pretty much yeah that's huge that's huge that's bonkers load screens you know what could benefit from a solid state driver <laughs> <laughs> throwing it out there gotta cast a little shade uh, yeah. <laughs> um, no, but in all seriousness I think that's awesome that they, they understand that that is the way that you know, you need to go. Now, my question that kind of comes up uh, stemming off of that is, does this support external hard drives at launch or is that going to be like a, a later update just like it was this gen? No, I think they're going to have more plug and play stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I think that'll easily be an option because the, the, what you want to do is buy the console and get it home. Right. Now, here's the thing. We know how expensive a terabyte of which we're, we're pretty much as the standard these days. If you yeah. buy a console, you need a terabyte of storage. Yeah. Maybe five, 500 at minimum, but that is not going to fly because games like Red Dead Redemption 2 are 99 gigs. Right. That's <laughs> a that fifth, takes up a, a fifth, fifth of, of the normal, yeah, the standard hard drive. Yeah. So I think the, the norm is going to be terabyte. Yeah. And we know that if you're a regular SSD, like if you went out and bought like a Westing book, or like a or like some off-brand terabyte SSD, you're yeah. still going to be paying what seventy to a hundred dollars. Let's see here. I will I will Google that for you right now. So uh, according what's to what's the cheapest Amazon, terabyte you can get on Amazon? Cheapest terabyte. Uh, the five hundred. Here, let me. I need to. My filter game needs to get stronger here. <laughs> All right. Sort by. We don't want featured. Terabyte. Let's get past this here. It's looking like in the neighborhood of a hundred and thirty dollars to one hundred and twenty dollars. That's still a lot. Well, there's still some. There's some that are as low as ninety nine, but yeah, 
and that's like sale-ish, not necessarily minimum one hundred dollars. And the the, the better ones are are closer to two. So that alone is a quarter of the cost of what a PS4 Pro is today. Yeah. So if you're telling me that a new console with better hardware and a custom-made SSD that is going to have to have at least a terabyte of data on it, that right there is probably going to push you up to the 500, 600 range for a launch console. Yeah. What is that? What do you think about that? Having just built a PC, that's a tough sell for me for launch, especially because, as we saw last generation, there's a pretty good overlap between stuff that is coming out for the new console that is also developed for the previous gen. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's necessarily going to be like a day one buy for me or maybe even like month six. Um, I don't know. I'd have if to you see. You can even get it at that point. Right. I mean, I have no problem waiting for it because like, mm-hmm. like I said, just having built a new PC, I'm pretty comfortable with it. Oh, yeah. Being sure. toe to toe with it at least. Um, but I mean, I, thinking about what I could put into my computer for that same price. Mm-hmm. It's tough. It's tough, but I mean um, that right there—that's a brand new 30 series graphics card that comes out from Nvidia. Oh, because by the time this thing comes out, the price of that console is going to be easily. Uh, I guarantee you that the the 20 series right now will mm-hmm. be less than that. Oh, they'll be 200 dollars cheaper. They'll be about 400 bucks. Mm-hmm. So uh, that right there, I mean, that's that's probably the 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 bottleneck of my system right now is my graphics card that was what i I had to cheap out on that because that was when bitcoin was you know just but that's the easy that's the part that you can easily upgrade oh for sure Uh, plug and play that's that's you know a 10 minute thing it'll take me longer to take it out of the package than it will to actually put it into it and boot it up so yeah yeah, unless you're like me and you forget to uninstall the drivers and and don't don't do that (laughs) but uh, yeah no totally plug and play man but yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough. I think um, just as I sit here right now, uh, thinking about it, it's it's in all likelihood that I will probably hold off and wait for a good backlog of exclusives. Now, if I did not have my PC and I only had my PS4, it mm. would be a totally different story. I agree with that. I don't think me? I'm going to be a day one buy. Yeah, because I. I bought my original PlayStation 4 uh, on launch day, mm-hmm. and that thing crapped out in three, four months. I've st- I still have my launch PS4. That's amazing. Some people still do mine, uh, mine bit the dust pretty hard. Yeah. Actually, when I take that back, whenever I got my Pro, I did trade that one in because we had, we had two PS4s. Yeah. One for me, one for Hannah, and uh, mm-hmm. we kept hers because hers was a, a, a bit newer. But even still... Yeah. Hers was like a refurbished one, and I'm pretty sure it was launch or close to it, and it's still it's still kicking. So, but Brandon, yeah. according to the article, according to the article, a little game we've all been looking forward to mm-hmm. that new Hideo Kojima joint we know Hideo as Kojima Death Stranding. <laughs> um, 
Death Stranding, uh, they specifically mentioned it at the end of the article as to is it going to release exclusively on PlayStation next console is it going to be uh like the last the very last ps4 thing and the only thing that the executive did was kind of smile and alluded that it's probably going to be a cross-gen title that showcases the ps5 capabilities but will also be made available on ps4 much like the example i always use is twilight princess how it came out on gamecube but it was like the real experience is on wii breath of the wild breath of the wild too yep same same thing thing. so You can almost guarantee that the very next full-on Zelda experience, much like this very next Kojima experience, is going to be... You can experience it on the old hotness, but if you really want to see Norman Reedus and all of his (laughs) hand shadow prints on his body, um, get the PS5 All the pixels. All those pixels. All the pixels. Hey, still want to know what that game is. I was about to say, we can't really draw much of a conclusion from that because we don't know what's happening with that game. Uh, yeah. And even when it comes out six months later, I guarantee people still don't know what it is. Oh, not a chance. Not oh, a man, chance. I love Hideo so much. <laughs> I love that. I, have, I love that it's so cryptic and there's like no real like information on it aside from Norman Reedus with a stack of stuff on his back climbing yeah. a ladder across some ravine and I'm still like yeah I, I, yeah, yeah yeah everybody's like I don't know what it is but I want yeah that guy has done so much good stuff with Metal Gear that he has carte blanche to just do whatever he wants with this game yeah he's kind of like uh, he's like the Christopher Nolan of video games yeah here's a wad of cash make something cool take your time right when that bun's ready to come out of the oven, we will enjoy it. Yeah, man. Sony took a real leap of faith on him, so I really hope it pays off for I all of us. <laughs> yeah. You remember remember in um, the original Metal Gear? I don't remember if this was on the original disc or not. Um, maybe it was just in Twin Snakes, but when in the Psycho Manus fight, when they he starts messing with you and kind of like doing the eternal darkness stuff of like changing the the input on your tv yeah and that was the original one okay so instead of saying video on the screen where it used to like pop up big and then go small to let you know which input you were on on the tv it said hideo instead of video i always i never knew why it was video with an h yeah uh (laughs) i didn't figure that out until way later and i was like hideo hideo (laughs) hideo i was like that's not i was like oh is this a clue that this is not real (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was like, that was 98, what, <laughs> second grade? Maybe? Oh, Fifth man. grade? I don't know. I know, but I do have uh, I do have a good anecdote about the first time uh, you walk in and Meryl has uh, taken the guards, um, the guards' clothes off, so he's like, like down on his face, but like his butt's in the air, but it's censored. <laughs> My cousin had, he bought a PlayStation, that was the first game he got, and his mom walked in on us right when that cutscene happened. <laughs> Are you so about to imagine, imagine a mom in 1998, 1999 <laughs> walking in on that going, what the heck is this to a couple of teenage boys? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, uh, we don't even know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Ryan, if you're listening, Ryan. I'll see you next week. <laughs> um, but uh, speaking of fond memories, Brandon, yes, sir, you went back. You went back to 
a little PS4 title that came out called Spider-Man, and you yeah. played some of that DLC. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't crank the Wayback Machine dial too far back as far as uh, you know that type of stuff goes. But uh, yeah, I've been playing through uh, through Spider-Man. The uh, the DLC is the heist DLC. I just uh, just finished it earlier this week. Mm-hmm. Um, super super happy with it overall. Um, it's a solid DLC, and this the fact that as I'm playing through this, right. So when you get the DLC, not only do you get um, new side content, you get new main story missions, and you get three suits with each DLC. The fact yeah. that I'm thinking to myself, well, maybe after I go through all these and get the last, uh, you know, nine suits that came out with the the DLC, you know, maybe I'll go back and do New Game Plus so I can use all of my suits, and maybe I'll crank it up to the the next difficulty level. Ooh. I never do that with any game, especially for literally like the reason I want to go back and play it is because I want to get the uh the last suit for uh the silver lining dlc the third dlc is mm. the into the spider verse version of the classic red and blue suit i just oh is it really yeah i it, like the 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 model and everything it's not just like the suit it's like the the proportions and like that style of into the spider verse and I, I really want to go back through and play like the really tall almost like broad mm-hmm. peter parker Very, like the v-shaped peter parker yes. like the swimmer's yeah. physique and I'm just I'm like all about going back through and playing through as Peter B. Parker. Spe- speaking of which, do you remember the old 90s uh, Spider-Man cartoon that mm-hmm. was like using like the 3D animated city on top of the 2D animation? Yeah. yeah. That Peter Parker was jacked. Dude, he was huge. absolutely jacked. Why haven't we ever gotten like a like, first of all, how would you not think that Peter Parker, who has literally no time to even be in class, he's not in the gym lifting weights. Yeah. Dude's bulk as hell. Yeah, he's. <laughs> Have you ever seen some, somebody remade the uh, that whole intro sequence from that cartoon using um, the PS4 game, and they put the, the nope. T- oh, I'm gonna look it up after this. You gotta Google it. It's really uh, it's, it it's top quality. Um, anyway, didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. It's it's an just want to talk about Peter Parker body types. <laughs> clearly. Um. Not to get too far off of the lead here, but um, one of the other suits that's really awesome is uh, it's actually the the one that you get for completing either completing or yeah for completing the uh, the Turf Wars DLC. So you get mm-hmm. basically so you get one for with each of the DLCs. You get one for finishing the first mission, basically starting mm-hmm. the DLC. You get one for finishing it, and then you get one for a hundred percenting. The finish the DLC for the second installment, Turf Wars, is the original, the comic version of the Iron Spider suit with the gold and the red. Oh, put the legs on it, and baby, you got a stew going. Yeah, and the, apparently the uh, the legs change to mimic the color scheme. Do they really? The yeah, I don't know if it does. Do it they change the for suits. any other suit? I don't know. I, I never really just... paid attention to it. Um. Well, now you have to go back and find out. Exactly. Test all the suits and get back to me, please. I should. Okay. Uh, yes. Okay. Thank you. All 30 of those. How many suits are there now? There's so many suits. There's so many. But yeah, they, they knocked that out of the part with the suits. They all, they're all like super detailed, look super awesome. But I digress. I digress. So Mm. anyways, um, the heist is the first of three Spider-Man DLCs. I'll more than likely end up talking about the other 
two once I finish them. Yeah. Um, but so with the heist, this all takes place post uh, story in the main game. So all the events of the story have unfolded and it kind of picks up. Uh, I forget how many months it says after I, I want to say um, like two, three months, something, something in that time frame. Um, mm-hmm. So potentially uh, some, maybe some, some spoilers uh, for that mild ones. Um, so if you have not finished Spider-Man for PS4, you might want to, you know, back off, pump the brakes a bit here. And while I'm thinking of it, I'm going to, queue up some some video here of uh is this gameplay that you captured this is not gameplay that i captured because i'm uh i'm a terrible human being and i always forget to do that it's okay i'll find another (laughs) co-host it's also usually because i (laughs) i play this uh while my my three-year-old is running around being a psychopath so i have to take there's just a lot of standing on buildings yeah you know i gotta take some liberties (laughs) here and there yeah you might see some (laughs) some boring stuff uh here and there but um, so at any rate, it's t- it takes place after the uh, the main game and its conclusion. Um, basically, what you're looking at story wise is um, you start working with Black Black Cat Felicia Hardy. Um, mm-hmm. She's kind of alluded to in a side quest, a, a series of side quests in the in the first. Yeah, the, the paintings proper. Yeah, the the paintings, um, the little cats and stuff kind of scattered throughout the cities you find her like vantage points and whatnot um and this is when she actually was like fully reintegrated into the game so as far as like the stories canon goes with this you know game universe um her and peter had you know the the typical like comic relationship where that you know they hooked up and they were a thing for a while working together mm-hmm. stuff like that um on a lot of uh a lot of the the jay jonah jameson podcasts kind of allude to that fact that they had worked together at some point Mm -hmm. um so she comes back to town she i guess she was she was supposed to have reformed herself according to spidey and uh now she's she's back doing her her old tricks again um and she is tasked with stealing um some usb drives for hammerhead that contain um, basically information on the Magia crime family. So they're like the mafia crime families in this version of New York. And Stealing them for Hammerhead? For Hammerhead. Interesting. She is being blackmailed. I won't say oh. how she is being blackmailed because that's a pretty okay. big point uh, or big like point of contention throughout the, the storyline of this DLC. But she is being blackmailed to work for him. Um, and his goal basically is to use the contents of these drives that have the information on it to blackmail the, the Dons into essentially letting him control the, uh, the crime family, all, all their business, all the organized crime in, in this version of New York. So, um, you have to like work together with her to try to kind of like talk her out of it. And it kind of follows along through that whole thing. Um, really interesting part of this whole shebang here is um so this is like the the only real spoiler from the main game is um throughout this whole thing um you know obviously there there's uh the the past baggage of peter and felicia's relationship but mary jane is in the picture at this point right so it's really i thought they did a really good job with one just the interaction and the dynamic between peter and felicia 
and then uh, also how that played into his dynamic with Peter and MJ. So I thought that was really a, a different take. Um, they, they really go a lot of places with Peter Parker as a character in the main game, and they kind of keep right along with that same track um, mm-hmm. in the storyline. Yeah, here. Peter and Felicia have a real like Batman Catwoman thing going on, right? Yes, yes, very yeah. much so, very much so. But um, I mean, they, they do a good job of showing like how he's conflicted with like his past tryst with her and and you know where he's currently at with with MJ and like getting her back and wanting to basically you know be that for you know if you're getting meta with it like the relationship that people will typically think of when they think of peter and mj so mm-hmm. that's pretty awesome story story wise uh I, I enjoyed it um it was was pretty good it was kind of you know a nice little side story from from a, a dlc um the missions were fun kind of as i said before when i first kind of did uh initial impressions of this it's a lot of the same type of stuff but it's not a bad thing because the 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 meat and potatoes of the Spider-Man game is it's solid. It's, mm. you know, fun game to play. Web slinging still super fun. Um, combat's awesome. Comes right back to you. Like I haven't played this in, I don't know, close to five months or so. And, uh, you know, I mean, it took me a little bit to warm back up to it, but once I did, like, you know, it was, it came straight back to me. Um, and it was actually kind of cool because a lot of the, I kind of stuck to like the same, set of moves like my favorite thing to do would be to do like the uppercut that launches them into the air yeah pull them down on the ground and then just web 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 and then they'd stick <laughs> yeah because that feels cool because it's spider-man but i started trying to do more of the aerial combos where i would punch them up into the air and then jump up to their level beat them up in the air then do like the swing kick and you know just some different stuff switching it up um so i don't know if it was just my own decision to do that or if anything kind of led me to it but it was it was fun regardless um aside from the story and the suits uh the big thing that they add in here is um side missions so there's three sets or yeah three like different side activities that they add so um from what i've played of of the uh uh turf wars the second dlc it seems like that's pretty much like the standard so there's a main story there's three types of of side mission and then you get the three suits for this one you get magia crimes which are basically just act just like the the crimes do in the normal game um yeah there's some different types of stuff that you have to do but it's the same general idea where you'll be swinging around you get like a little red triangle pops up on your hud and then you swing over and fight some bad guys you know friendly neighborhood spider-man type stuff um, instead of being throughout the entirety of the city, most of this stuff takes place in like the midtown area of Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So all the crime stuff is, it sticks around there, which makes sense. Cause that's like the, the business areas where, you know, fronts and, and things like that would be to kind of keep yeah. in with the whole mafia aspect to it. So those are fun. Nothing, you know, hugely different from the, uh, the base game, just a, kind of a new twist on it. Um, the other thing is the collectibles in this were, uh, they're called Hardy's art collectibles. Um, basically they are stolen works of art that Felicia Hardy's father has basically cashed away across the city. And, uh, part of the storyline is before he was arrested, he was caught stealing from, uh, I want to say it was like a smoke detector factory or something and they couldn't figure out why. And then Peter Parker being, you know, a brainiac he realizes that there is uh there's radioactive isotopes in these smoke detectors that can be used to 
create like a tracking beacon by finding like the mm. signature of that isotope or whatever. I don't know how true that is. Sounded cool. I bought it, you know, didn't stick out to me as being like overly odd or, you know, fit in with the comic book aesthetic at the very least. Um, but so he uses that to pinpoint the location of all of them. And it's kind of like the backpacks you find them. Um, and instead of showing you exactly where it is on your map, it kind of, it's kind of turns into like a little bit of a scavenger hunt where it'll put like a big, um, circle, green circle around an area. And then you have to use like your, like the scan, the suit scan to find where it's at. And so the, the little tube that contains like the rolled up painting or whatever, it's not in plain sight. It's hidden in something in the environment. So it might be like a chimney, like a stovepipe chimney or like a full on chimney or like uh, a breaker box on the wall. And you have to figure out which one it is. And so you're like pulling stuff down, trying to find in this area, like where it's at. And it gives you like the little like radar, like it does whenever you're doing the spider bot to kind of guide you towards the bomb. So it gets you in the, in the vicinity of it. So it's not a total needle in the haystack kind of thing, but those are fun. Um, easy collectibles, just kind of, you know, little scavenger hunt side stuff. The third thing in here uh, is the, the screwball challenges, which if you look up anything on like Reddit, when they talk about the DLCs, the screwball challenges are probably the most criticized part of it. And at first I didn't understand it. And then I played them a little bit more and I completely understood why. And I will get to that mm. last. So there's three types of screwball challenges in uh in the heist and i assume that they change in the in the uh the each of the subsequent dlcs so there are combat challenges which basically operate the same way that they do in the main game um the biggest difference is the difficulty is ramped up a little bit um score wise like how you build up your combos um how quickly you defeat everybody and how much health you have at the end those are like the main three things that determine what your score is which determines how many of those um challenge tokens you get at the end of it basically the same as the main game second type of challenge is a gadget challenge which is like a ramped up version of a combat challenge where instead of having the full gamut of your gadgets to use you're only able to use certain ones and then the scoring then incorporates the same stuff from before as well as how often and uh, how effectively you can use the the given gadgets so I thought that was cool. Forces you to probably use some stuff that you don't normally use because with the gadgets, you kind of fall in with a couple of them that you really like, and then typically you'll stick to them. So this kind of turns that on its head. It's fun. And then there's the third type of challenge. <laughs> oh, no. Do you remember the drones from the, the main game, Andrew? Um, vaguely. Can you remind me? So the drones in the main game, you would basically start off on some sort of a rooftop purge and taskmaster would have this drone that kind of just like rolls through the city oh yeah where you goes it would drop i think it would drop like cameras or like a node of some kind and basically you just all you had to do was it would like leave like a trail in the air all you had to do was follow the trail Mm -hmm. the trail was constantly moving you could see like the flashing lights of the drone you could see where it was dropping down those little nodes that you could swing into and if you keep up with it enough or follow its path closely enough it's very easy to swing into those um, nodes, and I think they're supposed to be cameras. If I'm not, if I'm re- recollecting this uh, accurately, you pick mm-hmm. up the cameras to break them so he's not spying on people, or whatever. Superhero, save the world stuff. Um, but that would give you bonus points to your overall score so you get more tokens. So I found those to be annoying sometimes, but they did not feel like uh, anything that was, uh, you know, mechanically unsound. 
it was basically a test of how well can you swing in a tight path doing things that you probably wouldn't normally do swinging through the city. <laughs> test your skills. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you screwed up, you had chances to take shortcuts. You, if you, I mean, you could miss one of those nodes, lose out on some time, or, or you know, make a, a bad jump or something, something that's totally your fault. And then you could still take an alternate route. You could catch back up to the drone in time and not fail the mission and still get some tokens. Go back and play it later. The EMP challenges take that frustration level and they take all of the kind of like skill and like you mess this up because it's something you did and it just turns it into a mechanical nightmare. So in theory, sounds like it should be easier. You have these EMP generators that Screwball has set up around town. Okay. Mm-hmm. Stationary objects that you're trying to get to web up, destroy them, right? Mm-hmm. You have to do them in a specific order. Okay. Fair enough. You're just sending me point to point. Well, here's the problem with it. You can see all of the EMP generators or most of them from where you start from. And as you're swinging, you can always see like two or three ahead of you. So the problem with that is the way that the paths go, it is very, very easy to destroy one out of order because it will very often do this thing where you're swinging towards one and you can see it and you're like, that's the one I'm headed towards and you get close to it. And if you're, you have to be paying very close attention to the trail, the trail goes like in front of it and then it will do a curve away from it. So if you're just trying to go fa- and this is also timed. So if you're just mm-hmm. trying to get to it, you see that path, it's close enough to it in your mind. You're like, all right, I'm going to web the crap out of this thing, blow it up. Cool. You do it out of order you lose points, penalties on your time, score, whatever. And it's it becomes about being very acutely aware of something that is not very detailed to clue you in that this is not the right one in the right order aside from that trail. And it shows you the full trail. So if you're not paying attention, it's really easy to see that trail and think that, okay, you're good to go. Um, another thing with this is that whenever you destroy them, so basically like you hold L2 and it goes into that kind of like slow-mo phase and then you can tap R1 it locks onto it and you do like the left hand right hand rapid fire uh, web shot when they blow up they don't blow up outright they will start to like spark and fizzle with all this like pink electricity for a bit and then they blow up so unless again you're paying attention to exactly how many times you've hit it you can get it to the point where it only needs one more to go, but it looks just like it would right before it's about to blow up. And you're so concerned with the timer that you swing on to the next one, destroy it. And then it gives you a penalty and you're like, why am I doing this out of order? There's literally nothing else for me to do. And then you turn around and you see that the trail from the previous one is still there because it didn't go away because you didn't actually destroy it. So you have to swing back to it, shoot it one time and then go back. So it's just, convoluted and they always put it in an area where there's not a lot of stuff to swing from like the docks for example there's like a oh, couple of cranes like stuff where so you're like, like web zipping everywhere web zipping and like very purposeful timing of when you're actually shooting the web and when you're releasing from your swing do you have to stay in the air the whole time if it's like no. if the floor is lava nope. type you can hit the okay. floor you can fall in the water it's just super annoying 
I, yeah, just, I mean, obviously not intentional. You don't want to do that to get the best time, but yeah, I, get, I, I, I did it just to, to get them done to get the suit. I didn't care about the challenge tokens. The only oh. thing that I have left, because <laughs> like, so I 100% of the game, I think we talked about this before, have all the suits yeah. from the base game. The only thing that I don't have all of is some of the upgrades. And I know that there are enough tokens in like in the base game that you can get all of the upgrades. So I'm not worried about not getting everything. And I've 100% of the game and it does not feel like I'd be any better off for having gotten the last like 10 tokens for maxing out all these things. Doesn't bother me. I just did them to get them done. I got that, you know, whatever the, the bronze version or sometimes the silver if I got lucky not going back to try to get the gold on them, not beating myself up over it because it doesn't require you to get gold on everything for a hundred percent, which I think is how that type of thing should be. It's did you complete the activity or not? doesn't matter if you got three tokens or you got one token. So right. in that regard, smart design decision, as far as how they set up the, the EMPs, not so good. And I, I don't know if uh, it was already in the works that these would not be a part of subsequent DLCs, uh, but I did get far enough into the uh, Turf Wars to get to the part where your uh, screwball challenges are unlocked for this one, and there are no EMP generators in that. So <laughs> whether that was by design or not, super happy to see that. Um, the other- it's pretty amazing that they were able to take and add something into the game, take the the swinging and movement of the game, which is... By and large, the best part. That dude, that of is what being, keeps me the Spider-Man game. game. Yeah, but they can make it not fun. Well, the swinging <laughs> still fun. It's just you. the way that they want you to swing is not. It's counterintuitive to how you feel like you should be doing it. Like swinging right. feels like it should be free form, and you know there there are times where in the in the main game where it makes you be accurate to a degree, but like nothing like this. Like this is like surgical accuracy. Mm-hmm. I feel like, but I don't know. Maybe I'm just not good at it. I, I'm. To me, I don't care one way or another. I just did not find that to be very fun. Um, With the screwball challenges, one thing that I I did forget to mention is um, since she's, you know, going for the likes and and the stream views and such, um, she has little drones that will pop up from time to time and they will turn into what are called photo ops. So you'll see like a little pink camera pop up on your HUD. And there's a couple clips of it on on the uh, trailer here. Yeah, there's one right now. Whatever the activity is, whether so if it's like with EMP challenges, like it'll typically be placed like amongst a billboard or like a water tower, like something where you're going to like swing through, do some like cool cinematic looking stuff. And once you swing through that area, a bar pops up. And as the bar fills up, you want to tap R1 when it gets into the green area in the last like, I don't know, like last 16th of the bar and get more Mm -hmm. likes, whatever. It gives you more points. So in the fighting ones, there's just like an area where like just you just have to take somebody down in this area and then the thing pops up and you do it. So it's a cool additional aspect and different way to get some more points. But um, I'm glad that they either realized that the EMP sucked and took him out in between <laughs> when they released DLC one to DLC two or maybe they just internally didn't like them or whatever. I'm just glad they're not in there in the second one. Yeah. Um, so overall. Um, to me, it kind of felt like this DLC's intent was not to, not to like challenge you so much as it was to kind of reintegrate you into 
this game world, this style of play, the web slinging, the fighting, and you know all the key core concepts of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, which was nice because I hadn't played it in a while, so it kind of eases you back into it because you know I I, I guess their logic is like you probably haven't touched this game in uh, a while after you've completed it, which is interesting to me because I think they release them once every two months. So I don't yeah, know. That sounds about right. Yeah. But coming back to it, I, I mean, my intent from the beginning, because I got the, the Spider-Man pro console, it came with the, the season pass, which had all three. And I was like, well, I'm just going to wait until all three of them come out and play them consecutively. Right. I don't know if that was part of their design plan or, or what, but this feels like a good first entry into a DLC that you, for a game you might not have played for, you know, like, four to six months already. So it was a good kind of re-entry into the game. Um, the suits that it includes are, so that one right there is the Scarlet Spider 2 suit. You should see it in a second here due to the lag. Um, mm-hmm. And then the uh, the Spider-Man UK suit, it's like mainly blue, has kind of like a Union oh, yeah, Jack motif. Dude, that suit mm-hmm. is sick. <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. I think it's just because it's it's got so much blue and it's like it's got this weird kind of like shine to it that's different from the other suits. Yeah. It just looks really cool and it has this like rad looking like spider watch on his wrist. It's really cool. Um and the other one is the resilient suit, which is not from a comic. It's one that um that Insomniac had made up. I'm not really a big fan of it. I, I don't really gravitate towards any of like the like armored suits aside from the iron. Oh, the metallic suit. ones. Yeah. No. So it's yeah. like it's kind of a mix between the uh, which one I can't remember what it's called the the one that gives you like the accelerating power. It looks like almost like a speed suit for like uh, speed skating. Oh and, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. and the the spider armor Mark Four, where it's it looks just like the normal suit, but metallic it's it's coming up here in a second i just didn't really dig the design on that one i thought out of the three of them the um which one the uk suit yeah was was by far the best i actually used that for a good deal of the uh of the game after i got it yeah homecoming or bus though dude home i always come back to that one no (laughs) matter what no matter what that, that's yeah. the best one. Although the uh, I do like the uh, the Sam Raimi suit is pretty dope too. Yeah, I saw the I saw some screen grabs of that one. I looked. I mean, you can't go wrong with the classic looking Spider Man suit, right? Um, Especially with all those like silver webbings on it. Mm-hmm. That, that 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 suit was hot when it came out. Yeah, it's still it's still a good one. It's still a good one. I mean, you saw how many how much out outcry there was for it to get that in the game yeah I, i'm a bigger fan of spider-man when he has big buggy eyes i don't love the the sleek like squinty eyes that rammy put on him yeah no, i don't disagree with that you would like the future foundation suit i think probably the eyes at least i love the future foundation suit it's like the black and white one mm-hmm. and uh yeah. but it has like the eyes are like bubbles. That's like the only thing I don't like about it. Is that he was just like, well, oh, don't get me wrong. I don't like the comically big ones. Um, like, uh, like I think a good judge is um, the amazing Spider-Man Two, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man suit. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good judge of like, that's a good size eye that I'm into. Yeah. But the original amazing Spider-Man's with like the gold eyes. I was not, I was not into that at all. 
I was just about to say I kind of dug the goal. <laughs> oh no, I wasn't into that at all. I, no, but I like I, I like the concept in theory of yeah. like he was using like Oakley sunglasses yeah. as yeah. lenses, but right. Yeah, I, uh, it just it because the eyes have to pop for me. They have to be like the the same reason why he has the white spider on his on his chest. It's right. got to be yeah, like the sense. first thing you see coming mm-hmm. at you. Yeah. I yeah. definitely, I think suit wise of the Amazing Spider-Man suits, the second suit was definitely much cooler. Yes, yes, for sure. More stuck more to the classics. Yeah. Uh, but kind of in closing here, uh, hot take on Turf Wars, <coughs> which I picked up basically straight after I was done with this, and I Ooh. played the the first mission and then a couple of the side missions. Um, yeah. Story begins, uh, picks up right where the heist leaves off, so it's the same thread they call all three of them the city that never sleeps so this is like episode two of the city that never sleeps um and it kind of sticks along with hammerhead and what he's doing in the aftermath of the events of the heist and he's still trying to consolidate all the power to kind of run the crime family so the turf wars are between hammerhead and his thugs and um the uh, the magia crime families um this one seems like it is going to be more oriented toward combat from what i've gathered in playing the opening mission the opening mission basically pits you against a ton of enemies and a lot of like the tougher enemy types in addition to the the uh, minigun brutes that they added in the heist so it's the brutes that are like very resistant to everything that you throw at them with miniguns they love to throw the guys that have like the whiplash whips in at you like usually two to three of them um they have the uh, the jetpack guys, like the saber jetpack guys, um, but they're like stolen saber tech. Um, they throw those guys in there at you, where they leave like the tra- the red trail of like stun electricity, um, and then also the guys with the stun baton. So a lot of like armed enemies with things that are very uh, well equipped to counteract a lot of your more fantastic, mm-hmm. like the silver sable guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, and that, but I, I feel like the uh, like the thug like archetype is a lot faster than the armored silver sable guys. So it's yeah, it takes the, the 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 speed of of the unarmed like just like suit wearing kind of guy plus the technology of the silver sable guys, and it just kind of mashes them up into this one tough enemy. But it's fun. It's it's you know same type of thing with uh, the the main game where the combat is it's very deep. It's easy to pick up, difficult to master. You know once you get into a good rhythm, like it's super fun. And if you do mess up, it's always because you did something stupid or you weren't paying attention to your health or you, you know you screwed up. It's never it never feels like it's unfair. And that's I think that's right. what I loved about this game so much is whenever you would yes. make a mistake, it was always because you did something wrong, and it was always very easy to be like ah should have you know should have burned my super there i should have should have dodged should have jumped that in the into the air and swung or you know something like that there's always a way out and if you don't take yeah. it then it's your fault that so, balance of power is always hard to find in superhero games and i'm glad that this one did it so well yeah because even when you're like just overwhelmed with like a ton of enemies like it doesn't feel like they're just throwing them at you just to throw them at you like it it, it typically feels like it like a more realistic fight it's not like Batman where like maybe two guys will come at you one time like five people will gang up on you all at once which is how you would expect it to be so right 
yeah, they, they do a really good job with the balancing overall. And from what I can tell, the DLCs, they feel just as fun as the original game. They add some cool new stuff to it and just kind of prolong that experience to the point where, in all likelihood, this might be the game that I just keep coming back to whenever, you know, Nate's running around and I feel like popping something on because he loves Spider-Man. So when I play it, he's always like, Dad, Spider-Man, Spider-Man. So if, he, if he's cool with Spider-Man. it. Yeah, it, it helps helps big time because if like you know I'm watching something on TV that he's not interested in, he'll straight up just be like, "Turn this off, Dad. Don't want to watch this." <laughs> he's not one to mention. Well, at least he's honest. Yeah, for sure. So that's uh, the Spider-Man City that Never Sleeps. How DLC much is that one. season pass? If you um, wanted to get all three DLCs, oh. let's see here. Spider-Man season pass. I want to say that it is somewhere in like the oh actually wow it's actually super reasonably priced it's uh it's only twenty five bucks for all three for all three yeah they have it on uh, a dig- as a digital download on Walmart's the first result on Google for twenty five bucks how uh, and how many hours would you say you got out of um, the first one before you got into Turf Wars the, uh, the heist probably ten. Wow, so you're saying, let's anticipate maybe another 20, 25 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'd say you probably, get, not, you probably get an hour for every dollar you spend on it, easily. And my fear is, and it's not that I disliked the the side mission stuff in Spider-Man, um, the, the main game itself. I really enjoyed it. I loved the main game. Um, but I always feel like the side stuff becomes uh, repeatable busy work. And especially the crime stuff, which is you can you can pass. Yeah. Um, But I was just worried that DLC that the DLC was just going to be more side mission stuff without a without a palpable story. It would just kind of take little hints and nodes that they dropped within the main story and just kind of give you a little bit of a taste of something else. But it sounds like this was not that. It sounds like this was a robust experience in itself. Separate story. Yeah. I think there's there's ten story missions, um, and three of them lead into your your three main like side activities wow so, that's awesome man that's really yeah. good to hear i might consider picking this up now and yeah. it's solid for sure yeah I and mean, just for me uh, just like as far as the side stuff goes like i normally do not like to get into the tedium of the side stuff or 100 percenting anything but mm-hmm. just traversing through the city swing around and then the combat itself is so much fun that it does not feel like a chore to me which is rare yep. because normally like I'll do a couple of side quests here and there or just do a couple just to get a, some of the you know upgrades or whatever I need just to get me through whatever tough spot I might be in but never do I sit down and I'm like I want to 100% this game and I have every intention to, to 100% all these DLCs I did it with the heist to get all three suits the suits, I, I think suits are a great reward, you know, because it's something you yeah. can you can toss on. And it looks cool. You find, you know, a suit that you're digging and you can just roll around in it. And the fact that it lets you take that stuff all the way through into a new game plus and then the base game is so much fun. So I I definitely see myself putting some more hours into this on top of finishing the DLC just because yeah, I have all these suits down. I want to wear them. Boy, what a time to be alive, man. I said it on Greedo Shop first, and I'll say it again. We're at a time where a Spider-Man game is out, and it's probably one of, if not the best superhero games we've ever gotten. Yeah. And because there's just so much other good stuff coming out and going on, 
it is incredibly hard to justify jumping back into this with DLC. Right. It's tough. What what a time. Yeah. So speaking of Greedo shot first, Andrew, why don't you uh why don't you talk a little bit about what uh what did we do this weekend with our pals? Well, Last Sunday, uh, Brandon and I got together with our buddies uh, from the Credo Shot First podcast for Andrew Roman and Connor Arlette. Uh, those of you who are listening from there and are jumping over here after having listened to that episode, hey, how you doing? Welcome back. Um, yeah, welcome. We're still um, I don't want to reiterate too much of what we talked about, but we, we basically discussed Jedi Fallen Order. And uh, the new respawn game that's coming out, and we're both extremely excited about it to the point where we just keep any little bit of information that comes out. It could be like news just out: the lead character's uh, jacket is going to be brown. We'll be like, "Holy crap, guys! It's going to be a brown jacket game." <laughs> um, that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah, totally geeky. Uh, I love it. Yeah, we're absolutely marking out, as they say. Um, <laughs> But we just got onto this nostalgia trip of with all these the Star Wars stuff going on and uh, with the recent news of the Lucasfilms games uh, being resurrected from Disney. I just got a taste of, man, there's so much stuff in my backlog that Star Wars related, Lucas related. Um, and that includes Indiana Jones. Oh, um, dude, killer segue. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I just I, I I the the night that we came back from the podcast, I was just so jazzed to the point where all four of us were trying to figure out how the hell can we do this regularly? <laughs> yep. Because we had so much fun doing it. I just I and I I went immediately into my Steam library because there's always games buried in my Steam library that I bought and have never played. Um, and or I have bought with the intention to play, but never got around to it or just bought it for a rainy day. And it's just sitting there. Um, and a bunch of the games that I had that were like Star Wars Lucas based, I redownloaded. I ran. I tried to see how they run and play a little bit of them. And Indiana Jones, the Emperor's Tomb is one of the games that I picked up and played. Um, I did capture some gameplay of it. So if you do want to see a game from like 2000. I think it's like 2008, 2009. I'm it came very out. Inter- interested to see how it actually does look. Did you ever play this back in the day? Uh, what did this come out on originally? This originally came out on Xbox, PlayStation 2. and I'm, okay. uh, I'm 100% sure that we played this on PlayStation 2 at your house then. Probably. Um, Actually, we might have played it at Roman's house. You know what? I think, I, think it was, it. I think it was Roman's house now that you say yeah. that. We definitely played um, it. At any rate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we were talking about the games and I, I, like I said, I was firing all of them up. And the second I fired this one up, I just, I didn't put it down and I played <laughs> for a good, like three or four hours, just kind of going on a nostalgia trip. I don't know if I'll finish it or not, but it was, I think it's worth talking about on the show because as far as I know, this is the definitive Indiana Jones experience. Now, if you want to feel like Indiana Jones and play a game, go play Uncharted 4, go play Uncharted 3, <laughs> Uncharted 2, go play any one of the new Tomb Raider games, Rise of the Tomb Raider, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, The Tomb Raider. Um, but this, the, if you want to actually be Indiana Jones, this is this is the best you're going to do, um, in my opinion. 
it's not my favorite Indiana Jones game. Uh, my favorite Indiana Jones game is Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis, which a true classic, a true classic. true classic, arguably one of my first video games. Uh, it's one of the first that I ever finished. My dad and I used to play it in my basement of my house, which was like a like a gutted out wine cellar looking place because it was just like cinder block, if you remember. Um, and we had like an old Gateway 2000 down there. And one of the things that he bought when we bought our PC was a, uh, a LucasArts games package. And it had the dig in it, had full throttle, had Fate of Atlantis and uh, Day of the Tentacle. Great, great games. That all is like the LucasArts Hall of Fame right there. Pretty much. Yeah. And those we got like all of those games. for like 40 bucks. Um, yeah. If you ever want to go back and play those definitely find yourself a scum emulator or just they're on a they're on steam now apparently all these games came back on steam and there's also the elusive indiana jones game of the infernal machine which i was telling brandon about before we were sort of recording the podcast which i recall was a blockbuster exclusive or you had to buy it for pc that blows my mind that it was (laughs) exclusive to a store not even like a retail store like so, yeah. could you buy it from there, or was it like a rental only type of thing? You could only rent the N sixty four version uh-huh. on uh, at Blockbuster. They had a there was a, a Dreamcast version, I believe. I don't know if this was on the original PlayStation, oh, but I know that there was. Uh, it was on PlayStation or it was on PC, and I because I remember seeing the box at the electronics boutique in South Hills Village Mall. Because I always see it, but I could, we couldn't afford it. And even if we could, my PC couldn't run it yeah. back then. Because we could barely get the first Tomb Raider to run. And that game basically plays like Tomb Raider with all the tank controls. And <laughs> it's like you have to use the arrow keys and then use control and alt as your action and jump button. So put that into perspective. That's <laughs> uh, that's how old that game is. Yikes. Um, and it, when, I, when I loaded that one up and I was trying to get like a box controller to work with it, it was like, do you want to use any of the pre, like the, like the pre-configured controller schemes for like the Sidewinder XL, or like the the Microsoft Big Boy XL <laughs> joystick <laughs> attachment? And I was like, geez, this is dating me so hard. That's hilarious. But, but I fired this one up, and I've just I've just forgot how good it feels to beat up people to a John Williams score. <laughs> um so so I fired this one up. Um it's brutal. It's it's hard. Uh you will die a lot because it doesn't really teach you anything. There's like a there's a tutorial level where it drops you off. There's uh so canonically, I don't know where this takes place. It seems to take place still during the Nazi era. I don't know in terms of the movie timelines where it would take place or if it's the just kind of a one off. You just did. The animation is yeah. hilarious. He was just like um, arms up and he just his whole body just <laughs> lifted up. It uh it definitely doesn't age well in parts. There's like a, a bunch of platforming and stuff that you have to do. Um and not every time you need to whip a ledge or like jump across does it actually do what you want it to do. Yeah. Um I'll tell you what, it looks a lot no, better than I remembered it looking. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pushing it to the limit here and I did I did on the frame rate. So it's it was capped at 30, but then I unlocked it to 60. So it runs a lot smoother. It runs like you remember it playing it. Yeah. Um, 
but you know it's it's okay it's it's got its shortcomings the controls are kind of wonky um it, but it, it feels good enough and once you clock into it like there's there's two melee buttons mm-hmm. there's like the like the y and b buttons on an xbox controller you can push them together to grab an enemy and then like y is like your quick attack and then b is like your heavy attack but you'll see that i get into some fisticuffs here with some enemies and it's just like the animations on it there's no i didn't realize that there was like a way to guard yourself or like walk on to enemies for a while so i was just kind of running around throwing fists and stuff stuff. um like this right here i just pull out an mp5 and just shoot a bunch of these guys who had swords out which you know raiders super indie move super indian jones um it's just it, i don't know it was just a it was just a nostalgia trip the story's okay he like starts off by finding some artifact that is actually not the artifact he thinks it is because it possesses some other artifact that is um related to some bigger artifact oh, which is like the tomb of the emperor <laughs> yeah like uh and then these people from china come in and ask him to go find it and he's like well what do you want me to do i'm just an archaeologist and they're like well we want you for your other specialties and he the the acting's in it is subpar the guy who's doing the voice of um indie does a an awesome impression where it's convincible but everybody else just falls by the wayside it's just (laughs) They, like you can tell the same the, guys the that are on on the uh, the indie actor. Um, well, I did check the IMDb for the guy that did the voice, and he also did a bunch of like Han Solo stuff. But he actually passed away in 2015 at the age of 66. I was actually going to ask if he was by chance the guy that did the voice of Han Solo in Battlefront because he sounds pretty close to the uh, real deal in Battlefront. But I guess that would not yeah. be possible. I don't know. I the sad thing is, Brandon, I've played enough Indiana Jones games to tell you which Indiana Jones actors are doing the voices. Like the guy who does the voice in Fate of Atlantis is the same guy who does the voice in Infernal Machine. And then the guy <laughs> who does the voice in this one did uh did like some voiceovers in Indiana Jones and the desktop his desktop adventures, if you remember that game. I have a very faint memory of it. It might just be the name. That's exactly how it should be. It was like a, it was like a desktop isometric Metroidvania style game. That was very, it's like 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 Bonzi buddy ground. Yeah. It's like the new ground flash games that you used to play where it's like you go up to somebody and they'd be like, I need a, I need a pair of scissors to cut through this rope and you'd have to go find scissors. But then the scissors guy would need, you know wood and but then the wood guy that would give you wood would actually need water and you have to like keep it's one of those games it's like how you would trade up to uh the bigger on sword <laughs> exactly time exactly that's exactly what it is and that's the it's just, game. it's just one big oron quest <laughs> um yeah it, the music in it is is awesome way better than i remember uh the cues of like the fighting music is uh, exactly what it was in the films and then when you do indie type stuff when you whip something or something blows up or like you knocks you knock the last guy out it kind of just plays that little that little indie tone like yeah. like you did it 
like da, 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 da. like it's just yeah like you're like oh yeah the raiders march the raiders march um that there's not much to say about it man i really i mean if if you're looking for an indie experience this game is six dollars right now on steam oh you can't there's no there's no reason to pick it up and not play it 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 plays like a dream um it really doesn't that, look I mean, that, ba- that bad the interior stuff looks like quite good it holds up very well it but, does and you know what there's a lot of really cool touches that the game has like if indy gets knocked around enough like his hat falls off and if he's not like wearing oh, was it? Yeah, and if he's not that. yeah if he's not wearing his hat he does take more damage than if he's wearing it that's actually uh, so you have to you have to pick it up and put it on if he's taken, if he's uh, if it falls in battle, um, the gunplay kind of sucks. You don't know if you're targeted onto somebody, so you could just be firing off in the distance. And it seems like one of those things where, like with the MP40 that I have on my back, mm-hmm. if I pull that out, that that should mow through people. Yeah, here I die because I forgot to whip something. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, it, 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 you should be mowing through people with an MP40. But it's just like kind of paints around them but i have no way to really aim it i know that there's a first person way to look at things but there's no first person way to like aim at stuff yeah i probably would not do that (laughs) beneficial if you could either no plus i'm not if i'm playing as indian jones i'm not running around with guns shooting everything i'm gonna run up with my fists and i'm gonna fist fight everybody that leather jacket punch sound that classic That's yeah. all I want. I just want that leather jacket, that pile of leather jacket punch sound. That's it, it does that thought. very well. That's awesome. And like even the animations of him throwing punches, it, it just seems more brawler than it does boxer. Yeah. Like he's putting he's putting all of his weight into his punches like he like he does. And he's using like the double fist punches and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like he's he, he's a he's a scrounger. That's what he does. Um I started to get into some uh puzzle stuff here there's pretty good puzzles in the game there's one specifically in the level before this it's a it's like a castle that's very much like the castle in um last crusade Mm -hmm. it looks almost exactly the same um but there's an extensive puzzle in it where you have to find all of these different artifacts in the subsections of the castle and in order to unlock the door the doors have like paintings on them and you have to equate the painting to a clock that you then change and you can like mix up the images and where like a sun and moon dial are resting on the clock and where they rest on the numbers and how that unlocks the door. And then you have to take that artifact, give it to a statue and then that unlocks the next door. And it, it does it pretty well. I had to actually write some stuff down Hmm. to figure it out. It's just, it kind of strays away from that after a while. And then you get into areas. It doesn't pace it as well as an uncharted game or a tomb Raider game does. Well, this I also, think I, just, I looked it up in 2003. So I think Uncharted 1 came out in 2007. So you're still oh, yeah. pretty far yeah. behind that curve. Yeah, it it controls well. It just doesn't it doesn't uh, the controls don't equate to what you want to do all the time. Yeah. Um, and the thing that should feel good, like the fighting, it it feels good when you're hitting somebody else but when you just continuously get hit by mobs of dudes um the most frustrating thing in this game if you do go down and you do die there's no quick save feature so you have to start the level from the last checkpoint all over again 
Uh, so there were points where like you might get through something, but then there there might be like a like a a, a mob of guys that come after you, and if you can somehow get through all those there might be some dodgy jump right at the end that can end it for you. And then you have to go all the way back to the beginning. <laughs> so there is some brutal difficulty. You can play it on an easy. There's like an easy normal and a hard mode. I started off playing on normal. You can change it at any time and it doesn't affect anything. That's uh, you know, a d- design feature of, of that era. Yeah. But I would recommend just playing through it on easy if you kind of just want a a nostalgia trip. But honestly, if you want like the no, like I want like a real adventure, you know, fully blown guns blazing Indiana Jones on steroids thing. I would play Uncharted if you want it for the combat. I would play Tomb Raider if you want it for the puzzles and the exploring. This is actually making me want to check out the the Uncharted 4 DLC. I can't think of what the heck it's called right now. The one with oh my gosh, did you never play that Mm-mm. with Chloe and uh, what Naomi? Yeah, was that what her name? Her name is. She was like the mercenary in four. Yeah, I haven't played that yet, dude. Arguably better than Uncharted 4 itself. Bold. bold. That's a bold statement, <laughs> and I'm not changing that at all. So, uh, interesting they, fact I found out about this. Go ahead, say what you're gonna say first. I was just going to say, if they made a whole line of Chloe games in the Uncharted universe, I would play them in a heartbeat. I that's how good that DLC was. I almost was. get the, the feeling that they, they might, and that's why they might have set that up that way. So it's like, Dude, I'm all for that. Just, I'm it's all like for that. Stories of adventure is not necessarily... What? It, her name's not that. Naomi. It's... <sighs> Tess? I gotta look it up now, because that's bothering me that I couldn't think of it either. Hmm. Nadine. Nadine. Nadine Ross. That's what it was. Yeah. Dude, I can't I can't tell you how good that game is. And it's called um hold on, go ahead. I'll even look. Say what you were going to say. I'll look this up. Well, I was going to say, interesting fact about uh, Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb. Uh, as you were talking, I was wondering myself, I was like, who who actually made this game in 2003? So I looked it up, and it was made by Core Design. Do you know what else Core Design is known for? No. Tomb Raider. The original Tomb Raiders. Huh. Yeah. Small interesting. World, huh? Which is weird, because that, this is right around the time if where they were changing Tomb Raider from the tank controls to um, like 360 movement, like you know today. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they did that by doing like Tomb Raider Underground or like Tomb Raider Reborn or I something. Think those and those ones were made by Eidos, and Core was the original ones, and I don't know how they lost the, the IP. Well, that would make sense why Core Design made Infernal Machine and used the Tomb Raider engine, yeah. the original tank control engine. Interesting. So this, yeah, this, this the next thing that I'm wondering is so <clears throat> if uh, if we see success with Fallen Order, what are the chances that they dive into some other Lucasfilm properties? That's what I want out of this man. Indiana I think Jones. that's my ultimate goal here is we haven't gotten a good. I mean, we've gotten great Indiana Jones lights yeah. in Uncharted's and you know Tomb Raiders. Um, 
but to just play an Indiana Jones game, just like playing a, a Star Wars game, like in Battlefront, being able to be Han Solo, be Boba Fett, mm-hmm. be Luke Skywalker, be Obi-Wan, be Anakin, be Darth Maul, all right. those guys. There's something to be said about that. And I think that argument goes just as far with saying there's something about being Indiana Jones, right. hearing the music, feeling the punches, getting your ass kicked, but doing more ass kicking. Um, that's what all these guys are based off of. Right. And girls. Um and I think they could really do something special. And maybe it's not Respawn who does it. Maybe maybe somebody else, maybe some other third-party studio gets picked up and they do it. Or like, dude, what if like Insomniac did it? What if... Yeah. I mean, it, it, I just, I don't know. I don't know what it would be, how it would play. But I could tell you right now that it would come full circle with Uncharted and Tomb Raider being inspired by Nina Jones. And if Nina Jones, Jones games comes out, mm-hmm. it's going to be totally inspired by those two games. Yeah, I, I, I would love to see what like the modern take on an Indiana Jones game would be with all the the lessons learned and the you know what the paradigm is now. Like, what would that Indiana Jones game play like? Here's what I would want. What I would want out of a new Indiana Jones experience is what this game doesn't give me. I I feel what is most important about Indiana Jones is Indiana Jones is only as good as the MacGuffin. The thing that he's going after. Yeah. He's a great character. He's well-rounded, but he he's only as good as the thing that he's going after, which is why Temple and of Doom is not that great. <laughs> that's why Temple of Doom's not that great. And specifically Temple of Doom's not that great because it focuses too much on the supernatural. Yes. Whereas Raiders, and uh, Last Crusade, though they have well, same thing with um, what was the fourth one? Uh, Crystal Skull. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. We don't talk about that one. Focus way too much on supernatural. Yeah. Um, but Raiders and Last Crusade. Last Crusade, I think, is by far the best Indiana Jones movie, and is therefore my favorite. Um, it has supernatural elements, mm-hmm. but even in the end. It's all about believing. And those two movies really emphasize belief. It's if you believe it and you and you have faith in it, it's not a religious thing. I'm not trying to make a religious or a political statement. But, you know, in Raiders, at the end of Raiders, spoiler alert, um, <laughs> Indy refuses to look at what's in the Ark of the Covenant. And right. thus his life is saved. And, you know, it ultimately it ultimately consumes those who were chasing it down from mm-hmm. the Nazis. Same thing with the Holy Grail. Um, Indy has to take a leap of faith and believe in himself and his his father's work and his, and 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 what lies before him in order to save his father's life. But ultimately, you know, greed gets to other people, and that right. you know calls the end for the movie. But I don't want it to be focused. I don't need to see supernatural stuff like Uncharted one and two have very supernatural endings to them. That third act in both of them, one through three, pretty much. They're just like almost ruins the whole experience, in my opinion. But three is 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 well done. Right. Yeah. They backed Uh, off of it a little bit. Four does it perfectly because it's there, but it's not. It's not what's emphasized. Right. And it's, it's not, not what's it's not smacking on. you in the face with how supernatural it actually is. Right. Tomb Raider likes to tiptoe that line. It likes to just straddle that line where there's supernatural stuff happening, but it's like 
they look like monsters, but they're old tribes that just live underground. Right. So they look monstrosity ish. Yeah. Um, I would love to see an Indiana Jones game very much like an Uncharted 4 or Uncharted Lost Legacy. That's what the name of the Chloe game was. Uh, Lost Legacy. That's it. Lost Legacy. Dude, pick that up. That th- I want that to be the next game you play and that we talk about if you can. <laughs> um, I can so you don't have to do that. I can still listen at some point. Um, definitely put that on your short list, though. Yes. Um, I would love to see an indie game that focuses on a MacGuffin that it, do- it doesn't have to be related to any of the it can have homages to them, but it doesn't have to be specifically like, oh, it's taking place at this time. Like, we'll we'll be able to figure that out based on who the antagonist is. Yeah. Well, see, I, I think would, a big part of it for me, as far as like the MacGuffin goes, is the 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 best movies, Raiders and uh, Last Crusade. The he's following the path of these artifacts that the Nazis like actually we're trying to find in real life and they just kind of took mm-hmm. that concept of here's what actually happened we know that obviously they didn't find them what if they did um, mm-hmm. and I know just from things that I've read and stuff that I've seen as far as like how you know bonkers the Nazis were with us like the stuff that they they tried to find and thought yeah. was actually out there there's a ton of other really cool MacGuffins that they could go with that are you know have some basis in fact that could be just as interesting as the Ark of the Covenant or the Holy Grail. So I think that the, I almost feel like they just kind of avoided the, uh, like that Middle East motif because that's where all those kind of like Christian, uh, mm-hmm. relics and stuff tend to originate from or in that area that they just kind of, it almost seems like for maybe this and especially for like kingdom of the crystal skull, they were like, let's just let's take this into a different place where we haven't necessarily been where, right. Uh, you know, it's not bad if it's if it's you know retreading some of the same steps as long as the bigger picture isn't the exact same thing. Like right. you know, it's it has a familiarity to it, and I think that's a part of what makes those movies so good and so timeless is that you know they have it hasn't mm-hmm. has its niche. It knows what its niche is. It leans into it, and, and it succeeds for it. And I think I think what for me makes Last Crusade a more viable palpable experience than Raiders. I'm not I'm not putting Raiders down. Raiders is an incredible movie. Yeah. Um, but Last Crusade specifically, much like Uncharted 4 does, uh, I hate to keep comparing the two, but it's very hard not to, is that the the story at hand and the MacGuffin at hand end up challenging the protagonist, in this case Indy, in this case Drake, to almost battle themselves. Yes, absolutely. Indy has Indy's battling his own beliefs, the in his relationship with his father throughout the entire movie that it's like you don't you're not even thinking about the holy grail by the end of the movie because it's not about that. Right. And it's the same thing with Uncharted 4. You can't even tell me what they were looking for because it's a story about Nate and his brother and yep. Sully and his marriage. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a story about him. I need more about Indy and I think that's why a game from a studio might be great, but if we're starting to get Lucas and Spielberg and anybody else involved in the storytelling of that character, um, I don't know how much we'd be able to explore, but I think we might be able to get a really cool non-canon experience, kind of like a one-off, but it just be can't. Completely f- I don't care if it's canon or not. I just want the indie experience. No, I think it would be cool to get like an indie style, not indie, Indiana Jones style, 
like Metroidvania game where it's like a, it's like you start off in like a, a forest, but then you're like making your way down into a temple and then like going further and further into some abyss to, to like you just keep stumbling upon things mm-hmm. type game. Kind of almost like a like a descent into something darker. I, I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, time will tell. We'll have to see how Jedi Fallen Order does. And I feel like, I don't know. I mean, Star Wars is just basically a license to print money. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they just stuck with that as their lane. Especially since we haven't had, like, this will be the second Star Wars game. Or the, the third mm-hmm. Star Wars game in, like, seven years. Um, so, yeah, I definitely think Star Wars are probably take center stage but i feel like at some point um they're gonna have to go back and look at the other properties that they have with uh lucasfilm and uh i mean indiana jones like it, it, i don't even think lucas knows what to do with the indiana jones property I, right I now i don't think that if if he was in control of it he wouldn't know what to do either but i think like so tomb raiders trilogy has wrapped up uncharted's quadrilogy has wrapped up Mm-hmm. It's perfect time for Andy to make his comeback, man. That's all I'm saying. I don't see why we wouldn't, and it probably wouldn't happen this generation. It might happen in the next generation of stuff, but if Respawn's Star Wars game takes off, I mean, and people are and they and they see the market for robust single player experiences. I don't see why Lucas, whoever has rights to Lucas Films. Which is Disney. You know what? I don't even know. I think EA might only have the rights just to the Star Wars stuff, not necessarily. You're Lucas you're absolutely things. correct. So but could, uh, what I'm anybody. saying is, I mean, they could give it to if, Naughty Dog if they wanted to. Yeah. Which if uh, the, if Lucas films, like, dude, I would you I would just be a whole podcast of me pooping my pants. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I mean, if they but if they see that there's a market for the robust single player experience, granted, you're comparing Star Wars to Indiana Jones, right. two completely different properties, right. a universe to a singular man. Right. Um, that could just do gangbusters for it. And they could yeah. be like, yeah, there's there's a market for single player experiences. Let's get a let's get some of these properties out there. And Indy's like <laughs> the top Nazis of the list in, for in old school diving suits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. They That's sure are hysterical. <laughs> Um, here oh, I go man. down to shoot them with a with a spear gun. <laughs> <laughs> Did um, not expect that. I love it. That is like the perfect. That is like the perfect level of camp. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's it's a fun game, uh, but it get, it goes supernatural super fast. So it's it, it kind of loses me there. So I don't know if I finish it, but it was really cool to go back to it. Just hear the music, hear the punches yeah. be and be Indiana Jones and just hear, hear a Harrison Ford esque voice. <laughs> it, I mean, it honestly, it makes me want to kind of pick up battlefront too. I'll tell you what, I, if you pick up I, battlefront too, I'll play it with you. Cause I have it. I really want to, I don't know. I don't know. I have, uh, if I can get it on like a 75 cent sale, yeah, I think maybe, I, got, I got it for like seven bucks, and yeah, dude. If there's another sale, I, I'm telling you, May, May 4th, I was just about to say, <laughs> give it, <laughs> give it a couple of weeks, and it will be on yeah. sale because it's it's on sale regularly for like, uh, like twenty to thirty dollars. Yeah, so you just got to wait for the for the super sale, which May the fourth is <sighs> probably gonna be the next time it 
it's on super boy that that turned into a massive speculation wish list (laughs) (laughs) review of a game from 2003 hey that's that's how we usually roll (laughs) we we start off on one thread and the next thing you know we got a whole damn rug Uh, that's totally cool man but seriously go go play lost legacy i'll even play it again just so that we about it i'm not i'm not opposed to this at all yeah i dig it all right well, I think that just about does it for me, Brandon. Yeah. Well, same, same. Any uh, any interesting tidbits or anything else that you uh, want to point out or bring up? Quick takes? Um, no quick takes. Um, probably should have mentioned it at the top of the show. I think it's I think it's pretty devastating what's happened to Notre Dame. Yeah. Uh, Kevin caught fire, but you made a really good point yesterday as uh, some people were pointing out online about Assassin's Creed Unity, speaking of games, um, being now uh, pretty much uh, one of the only historical virtual representations yeah. of Notre Dame in its entirety uh, in that game world. And uh, kudos to Ubisoft for always taking that extra step into the historical accuracy that they bring to their games. Um. I think yeah. a big, uh, an interesting part about the whole uh, Notre Dame thing is that uh, I, I I never knew this until I you know was looking into it because it was you know topical in the news. But it's this is apparently not the first time that it's been like destroyed or in like such a great state of disrepair. Like it's definitely the worst. But it's mm. this is this structure has been rebuilt numerous times over the seven hundred odd years that it was built and the oh, yeah. have been built onto it. So. I think the uh, the latest res- renovations, like the major ones, were like a hundred years ago or something. So, in all likelihood, I mean, they could rebuild it and it would be, you know, just as mm-hmm. nice as it ever was. From what I understand, um, a lot of like the relics and, and the big important historical items that could be removed from it were already removed. So that's not a huge concern. But I saw a picture of the. Uh, the actual like looking towards like the the altar and you could see like the pews and stuff and just all the the rubble and the debris that had fallen down from the ceiling but behind all of that rubble and all the debris it looks like like the the statues and like the the interior stuff it's still it's dirty from the fire mm-hmm. and the smoke and everything but like structurally it looks like a lot of that stuff is still there so i mean definitely salvageable yeah i mean this this building you know we're talking it it survived revolutions world war 2 um so it's it's the bones are there. I feel like you know it's it's definitely going to get rebuilt, and I think the fact that it, it, it this time that it's being rebuilt, it probably has the best um, uh, documentation as far as what it used to look mm-hmm. like that it, than it's ever had before. So I mean, I I think that the people, what we have technologically now, it, it and the the skills that people have, it's it's going to come back and it's, it's going to look as, as beautiful as it did in the past. And I think it's probably going to be structurally a lot more sound than it was in the past. So hopefully, you know, in a hundred years from now, the, these type of catastrophes will be, you know, less devastating than they are now. But yeah. that is no matter how you slice it, that's a huge, um, huge cultural loss, no matter how you slice it. But it, it is good that we have things like Assassin's Creed to document these things that, you know, maybe wouldn't have been otherwise and it's it's interesting that that is the level of detail that ubisoft went into that it might actually prove to be useful for preserving you know such a relevant structure 
Yeah, and uh, on I mean, on a related note, I mean, Unity was one of the games that got a, a, a lot of flack when it came out originally because mm-hmm. it had so many graphical imperfections and uh, and performance issues, but they've since pretty much cleared up. And I actually, I ended up playing through the game on PC um, way back when it came out. I mean, this was probably, what, six, seven years ago now? Oh, this was at, at launch, actually, for uh, PS4. That's what I yeah. got. I got it at launch. That was one of my launch titles. Yeah, dude, what a great game and what a great look into the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, I distinctly remembered Notre Dame in that game being such a such a focal point in the whole thing. Uh, there's like, in fact, I'm pretty sure the game ends in Notre Dame. I think it does. I know there's like a lot of significant plot points that happen like on the, the mm-hmm. outside, the exterior portion. So, yeah, but. It's, it's interesting. I think Ubisoft is on to something very unique with their n- more uh, or like their historically oriented side projects with these Assassin's mm-hmm. Creed games, like the historical mode, because there's one coming to Odyssey now, apparently, too. So it'd be interesting. Especially yeah, with the that stuff's stuff. great. I'm also kind of curious. I might want to try out the Assassin's Creed 3 remaster that was, they did. I was thinking about that as well. Just because I don't, I don't remember why, but people tend to not like that game, and I can't can't figure out why. Uh, I think a large part of it was the first non-Ezio game. Gotcha. Yeah, probably. A lot of what it was. But too, I, would I enjoyed it. It was a cool too. setting. The DLC for that game was rad. Oh, the Washington stuff? Yeah, the alternate yeah. history stuff. That was really cool. I remember that, I but I never that. played through it. I played through it, and it's really interesting. Very that different. just came out on Switch. That might be a... Did it? The remastered version? Mm-hmm. Hmm. That might be a decent pickup on Switch, mm, that right? Like a Switch pick. I think it might be like a thirty, forty dollar game too. Ooh. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Short. My short list grows longer. <sighs> my whole life is a short list. <laughs> <laughs> um. Well, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, please. Feel free to check us out on Facebook. As always, we go live on Tuesdays right around 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That's facebook.com slash gamesnat. Again, that's facebook.com slash gamesnat. Or you can check us out at reggieshousepodcast.com, which is our podcast network with our buddies Greedo Shot First, uh, who we were just on with last Sunday reviewing the Jedi Fallen Order announcement. Yeah, we're on their, their latest episode on their latest episode, uh, as well as you can check out the Rust Belt Risters. Uh, I think they've been on a hiatus here lately. I don't think they've gotten together since November, but still a great Pittsburgh Penguins podcast mm-hmm. if you're in there. And uh, poor Penguins, I think, are getting swept in the playoffs right now as we speak. Yeah. <laughs> if you're listening to us on iTunes, we appreciate you. Thanks for joining us and listening to us on the podcast. If you could, throw us a rate and review. We finally got some, finally got a rating out there. I think we're sitting at a 5-0 right now, but yeah. we'd love yeah. to hear your feedback. Ooh. <laughs> we knock us down a few your, pegs. Yeah. At least let's listen yeah, to somebody's listening. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. Um, if you can't review us or rate us on uh, iTunes, but you want to reach us other ways, you can email us. Uh, you can email us at the GNA podcast at gmail.com. Again, that's the golf November alpha podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're still looking for some listener reviews, which I think maybe next week, Brandon and I might have some in store for the listener reviews. Hmm. Hmm. You never know. And then on the and horizon from you, there, we might have even some more interesting stuff. Uh, happening. Uh, hmm. Uh, hmm. How about that? How about that? I know. I know who's out there. I know. I can see the download numbers. I know what's up. I know who's listening. 
Go ahead. Tell me what you think. We see you. Did you play Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb? Uh, did you try any of the Spider-Man DLC? What'd you guys think? Do you love it? Do you hate it? Why do you love it? Why do you hate it? Let us know. We want to know. <laughs> and I uh, think that just about does it for all the plugs. I think that wraps it up nice and soundly, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Brandon, did you have fun today? I sure did. I sure did. How about you? Did you enjoy the conversation? <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't necessarily think it was a boring uh, conversation, but... Yeah. If it was, I bet it would have been. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Brandon, what's the most important thing that we want people to take away from our podcast, regardless of all of our banter, reviews, and BS? Well, we want you to know and, and fully embrace the fact that the only opinion that matters... It's your own. We'll see you guys next week.